Blessed are the man whose quiver is full. Sometimes our full quiver makes us quiver. When we realize the awesomeness of the responsibility God has given us. It's always a panic, momentary panic that sets in when your iPad locks up when you go to preach. Praise God. God is so good. God is so good. He's blessed us, really, with one of the best worship teams around ever. How many of you, how many of you have you know, had the opportunity to travel and be in different churches? And you find yourself, even though the worship is good and everybody's dedicated and they're working hard, and you say, this is good, but it's not like home. It's not like home. There's no place. We long for New Covenant when we're not here. And I don't like to miss many services because I know that breakthrough is coming in an amazing way. And I have this, not fear. It's like, God, do it when I'm there, not when I'm away. <laughs> I don't want to miss it. Yeah. Uh, Nancy and I were traveling in uh, Florida years ago. (laughs) That's a long time ago. And we stopped at a church on Sunday in the Panhandle. And uh, they said, we're the church that Steve Hill was supposed to preach in on the Sunday that the revival broke out in Brownsville. So he said, can I come another week? And he went to Brownsville and never ended up working his way back. So I said, you know, that's when heaven broke loose and the revival went on for years and years and years. Hundreds of thousands of people came to Christ. It was incredible. But they were happy because they got to participate. It wasn't that far away that they couldn't uh, go there. They weren't, they weren't jealous, but they were jealous, if you know what I'm saying. But we don't want to miss it. Praise God. Today we're going to talk about the authority of the priest, authority, authority of the priesthood. Um, Pastor Josh has been preaching on what a priest is all about. He covered that priests are chosen, that priests are consecrated, set apart, priests minister to the Lord, and priests serve in the house of the Lord. Some of these, all these folks up here, really, are stepping into a priestly ministry. The ushers that greet you at the door are operating in a priestly ministry ministry, the people in the sound booth that you never see, or the projection booth upstairs, are operating in a priestly ministry. They're serving the Lord and serving his priests, serving his people. But today we're going to talk about and focus on the authority that a priest carries, that priests have authority. It's so important for us to understand that, because if we don't understand the authority we have, we'll never use it. And it's part of, it is God's plan. It's not even part of God's plan. It's God's plan for the church, that his church live and operate and move in authority on the earth. So let's start at the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, then God said, let us, this is the amplified version, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, make man in our image, according to our likeness, not physical, but a spiritual personality and moral likeness. And let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and over the entire earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image and likeness of God he created him, male and female he created them. If there's any confusion entered into your life, like it's happening to so many people, male and female he created them. That settles the issue right there, right in the beginning. Thank you, Lord. And God blessed them, granting them certain authority, and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, and subjugate it, putting it under your power, and rule over, dominate the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every living thing that comes upon the earth. I was raised Catholic, and in grammar school we were taught that this was a real story. Then we get into high school, we had some priests and nuns who didn't seem to be in agreement on anything. Some of them said, oh, this is a real story. Others said, oh, this is just a fairy tale, a parable, a story made up to kind of illustrate certain spiritual things. I want to tell you, folks, this is the word of God. 
This is the word of God. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a myth. It's not a creation myth. There are creation myths around this that sound similar, but this is the living word of God. And it's important for us to understand that. It's important that we understand it. It's it's basic to our faith. In the beginning, God placed the earth and everything in and on it under Adam's authority. But Adam, through his disobedience, transferred that authority to Satan. When he came in the form of a serpent and said, did God really say? Did God really say? He misquoted what God said, first of all. But he got Adam and Eve, should be Eve and Adam maybe, to doubt God's word, to doubt who God was, to doubt that they had authority. And what happened is they transferred their authority through disobedience. They transferred their authority to the enemy. They stopped believing in God. They put their faith in the lie of the enemy. And Satan stole the authority that was given to Adam and Eve. He stole the authority. And we see that you know, up, up until that point, they were tending the garden. They, they had work. They had a job. That was to tend the garden. How many of you garden or like to grow things outside? How many of you like weeds? Can you imagine tending a garden created by God with every fruit and everything that's good to eat and not having weeds, not having opposition, not having thorns and briars, to just be able to go out and probably mostly through their words, because they had authority, speak to the plants and speak to the the fields and speak to the animals and rule and reign without breaking a sweat because the earth was not in opposition to their rule anymore. Listen to what the last book of the Bible says. We started in the beginning. Let's just Jump way to the back in Revelation chapter 1. This is powerful. Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. From the sevenfold spirit before his throne, and from Jesus Christ. He is the faithful witness to these things. The first to rise from the dead. If you were walked out of the grave, I'm walking too. The first to rise from the dead, and ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father, all glory and power to him forever and ever. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us the end of the service today, we're going to gather around the Lord's table, and we're going to take the cup that represents his blood. I want you to know and understand right now, before we go any further, his blood was enough to pay your price, to pay your penalty, to set you free. I don't care what you did this week, last week, last year, 20 years ago. You could be a hitman for the mafia. I want you to know if you're in this place and you hear the word of God, God will set you free because he's already paid the penalty for you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who your parents are, whether you know who your parents are or not. If you receive Christ, he washes you in his own blood. And once and for all, you are made free. And what we're going to be talking about today is that freedom that we have not only for ourselves, but the freedom and the authority he's given us to bring that freedom, the truth of his gospel, to others. Through the power of his word, through the power of revelation, through demonstration of the gifts of the Spirit. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Free indeed. Not a little bit free. Not a little bit free. When we come to him, there is one thing that limits your freedom. That's when you lie to yourself and lie to God and say, well, it wasn't all that bad, so 
forgive me a little bit for the little things I did. He'll forgive you a little bit. But if we, if we bear it all, he bore it all. If we bring it all, he takes it all. It's up to us whether we come to him, whether we come completely open before him. First Peter chapter 2 says, For you are a chosen people. He's talking to believers. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. We are chosen to be a nation of royal priests. And he tells us why. Why? To show others the goodness of God. How many of you, after you came to Christ, people are saying, what's different about you? What, I remember this lady, I was, I mean, I was a new believer, I was sitting at my friend's in, at his, in his backyard having a beer, new believer, and one of his other friends looked at me and said, what is that in you? I see something in you, I don't, what is that? And all I could tell her is it's, it's the Spirit of God, he's set me free. Brand new believer, drinking a Jenny Cream Ale. So free. <laughs> he cleans us up sometimes afterwards, okay? I had a drinking problem. For you are a chosen people. He chose me. He chose you. Friends, if we're in Christ and we don't know who we are, if we don't know what we have, if we don't know what we carry, it will never do us any good and it will never, we will never have any effect on the world. We need to know what we have. We need to know that we are temples, tabernacles, dwelling places for God's holy presence because it changes the way we approach life. It changes the way we walk. Listen to what Ephesians tells us in chapter 3. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Whoa, we can grow in understanding. We can grow in experience. I'm just do a little aside here for a moment. If you will be consistent in taking time aside to be with him, to wait upon him. Pastor Josh has talked about this recently. To just get quiet in his presence. Turn off the worship music. Read your Bible. Meditate on the word. But get into his presence. I think it's, I know it's much more effective. Get up, say, Lord, here I am. And spend some time with him. If you have to, turn the lights off. Find a quiet place. And just wait on him until he just infuses you with his love, with his presence. Then when you pick up the word, you are connected at a much more intimate level with him and much more able to receive the revelation that he wants to give you. But we need to connect our hearts first. Although you can read the Bible, and, you, know, you can go through a chapter. How many of you have ever done this? You read a whole chapter and you go, what did I just read? You realize you read it, but you weren't reading it, you weren't receiving it. And you need to go back and slow down. One little half a sentence of Scripture spoken to you by the Spirit of God can release more of his presence in your life than reading the whole Bible. And I'm not telling you not to read the whole Bible. Let's be clear on that. But it's with him when he speaks to our hearts face to face, everything changes. Everything changes. He knows exactly what you need to hear in the moment. Ephesians 3. 
It's too great to understand fully. Ephesians chapter 1. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Because we are united with Christ. So we have authority. But what does that look like? What does walking in the aware of the authority that Christ has given us look like? In Luke chapter 10, we see where Jesus sent out 72 disciples, two by two. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. But look, look, or as little Charlotte says, look it, look it. I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But, don't you love the buts? Don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. When God does incredible, wonderful things in us and through us, we can get, lose our focus real quick and get all full of ourselves. Oh, the demons obey me when I use your name. And we go out and write three books, start a traveling ministry, you know, when God does something wonderful like that. But he says, don't rejoice because of that. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. What he's saying is because your name and my name is registered in heaven, we have authority over all the power of the enemy. He has given us delegated power. He's given us his power. And some people, you've heard it preached, maybe on TV or in the radio or whatever, people say, oh, that was just for the 12. You know, all that power passed away once the gospel was preached. Da, 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 da. No, these were the 72 in addition to the 12 that went out. So it's not just for the 12. That's subtle. So don't listen to that teaching anymore. But Ephesians 1 says, listen to this. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are rich, are, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. If you walked out of the grave, I'm walking too. That's what we're declaring when we sing that song. I love it. I like the country flair to it. Lexi nailed it. It's awesome. But I love the truth of it even more. It's declaring that the power, same power that raised Jesus from the dead has raised us. Now, he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church and the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Ephesians 2.6 For he raised us from the dead, along with Christ. Do you believe that? He raised you from the dead. You were already raised from the dead along with Christ. That's what baptism symbolizes. You were buried with him, and you were raised to a new life with him. With him. The same mighty power that raised him from the dead is in you. It's in you. It's in you. You know, we, we look at what Jesus did 
And what he said, he said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. And our, our first human reaction is, well, yeah, he was the Son of God. He had this, you know, unique connection with God because he was the Son of God. But, you know, the Scriptures say he, he laid that aside. He didn't, we don't record any miracles that he did before, what? Before he got baptized in the Jordan by, by John. And what happened? Scripture tells us the Holy Spirit came upon him. They saw that in the form of a dove and remained. And from that point, Jesus began his public ministry. Jesus was here on the earth as a man, a sinless man, filled with the Holy Spirit. And everything he did, he did with one purpose in mind, to demonstrate to us what we can do when we are sinless and filled with the Holy Spirit. How many of you here this morning are sinless? You don't know that you are. You are sinless. doesn't matter what you did today or yesterday or last week or two years ago. If you are in Christ and you've received him as Lord and you're walking with him, the blood of Jesus Christ has and continues to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. All of it. But the enemy gets us convinced, well, I can't really do that because I'm not perfect yet. Well, in the eyes of God, yes, you are. Because it's not, the covenant is not between you and the Father. It's between the Father and Jesus Christ. And you get to inherit what he inherited. Jesus is not going to break covenant with the Father. And we can have confidence in that. We need to know who we are. We need to know who we belong to. And we need to know what we've been given to steward on the earth. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. We are seated with him. What's the significance of that? Hebrews 10 says, Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Look at the person next to you. Say, and if they're a believer, tell them, you're perfect. You're perfect right now. You have been made perfect through the blood of Jesus Christ. His blood, his sacrifice, has had and has that power to be operating in your life. The word says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from some unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. How many of you know that you're holy? See, only the scriptures can be this. You're holy, you're already holy, but you're being made holy. Can you be holy and still be made, being made holy? What does that mean? It means when you stand before the Father, he sees you through the blood. It means that you've been bought with a price, you belong to him, you're not of this world. You're in the world, but you're not of it. Being made holy, what does that mean? It's becoming aware that we're holy and start to act like it. Stop walking around like a sinner, letting the enemy condemn you and tell you that you can't, you'll never, you're, you're stuck. Those are lies of the enemy. He, he rules, uh, he takes authority over us when we give him the authority. Jesus said, all authority under heaven and earth has been given to me. So how much authority does the enemy have? None. Jesus has it all. How much authority does the believer have? All. He says, it's been given to me, now you go. What's he saying? He's commissioning us to go out in his authority, full of his spirit, knowing his word, 
hearing the Father, understanding what the Father's doing in every, every situation. The only way the enemy can operate in our lives. Now, we have spheres of authority. I have authority over my wife, my children, my grandchildren, and some authority over my brothers and sisters because I'm the patriarch of the family now. Sometimes I forget to exercise the authority. How do I do that? And I don't go in there and say, look, you stop doing that. It's, it's in prayer. It's speaking the word of God over them. Now with my kids, I tell them, stop doing that. <laughs> with my five sisters, it's not quite as effective. No. But we have authority. But when we believe the enemy, when we speak fear, we give him our authority. Just like Adam gave that ultimate authority to him in the garden. Fear is faith in the devil. Fear is faith in the devil. And stop for a moment. And do this at the first service, but stop for a moment. What are you afraid of? Close your eyes. What are you afraid of? There's ghosts under the bed. Running out of money, sickness, broken relationship, politics, politicians, madmen with nuclear bombs. What are you afraid of? I want you to think of what happened in the book of Exodus, what we hear. God was raining down fire and brimstone, like fire falling out of the sky, hot rocks. Okay? And it killed everything, except Moses, who was walking back and forth talking to Pharaoh. I want you to see yourself when all hell is breaking loose around you. Sometimes we think it's all hell breaking loose when it's the judgment of God on other things. But because you are separated, you've been bought with a price, you've been bought with the blood, you're covered with the blood, you can walk through that hailstorm of fire and not be touched. Moses was not afraid because he knew the presence of God. And he knew if God said, go talk to Pharaoh, he's going to go talk to Pharaoh. And there was nothing falling out of the sky or anything else that was going to stop him. He might have stopped on a few frogs along the way, but it didn't stop him. We are seated with him. He seated us. What does that mean? When Jesus finished his work, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Why did he sit down? Because he had completed his task. It was finished. He declared from the cross, it's finished. How many of you work on your feet for a living? You know, you're a carpenter or a teacher or a bank teller. Or what? Yeah. When you come home at night after putting in eight or ten hours, do you just stand there in your home? I think I'll just go stand in the living room for a couple more hours. What do you do? You sit down. If you've got a recliner, you kick back a little bit. Why? Because your work is finished for that day. And you enter into rest. Jesus entered into his rest. And the scripture tells us clearly that we are seated together with him in heavenly places. Years ago, I was delivering mail, and I was uh, in my Jeep eating lunch. I was listening to a cassette tape. Anyone here not know what a cassette tape is? I heard someone say recently they talked about you know, a, a VHS uh, to the youth group and most of the kids did not know what that was. They were born in the, in the CD and DVD generation. They didn't know what these things were. We just threw out about 30 of them. Uh, I was sitting in my Jeep. I was listening to a cassette tape by a preacher that I really enjoyed listening to. Actually, I bought all of his sermons, like a couple hundred of them, because he gave me a good price. And uh, every day I'd listen to two or three sermons while I was walking or when I was sitting in my Jeep. I was sitting there eating my lunch. I had my thermos of soup and a sandwich. And 
I'm listening, and you get, get to a point in the tape where he says, as long as you're here on earth, you're never going to get your prayers answered. I, went, I choked on that. I almost choked on my sandwich. I said, what? So I said, I must have missed something. I must have not been paying attention. So I backed it up a couple minutes. <laughs> Took a long time. I listened again. And still, I got to that point, I'm like, ha! Ah, can't be. I backed it up further and backed it up further. Well, finally, I gave up. I said, well, I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe he'll clarify things if I keep listening. And in the very next sentence, I think it was, he said, because if you see yourself here on earth face-to-face with the devil and with your circumstances, you don't know who you are. You need to see yourself seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You're not facing this devil that looks you know, fierce and awesome. You're up here with Christ next to, him, next to you in the presence of the Father, looking down at the problem. And, you know, if you can see yourself there, you know you have authority. You'll hear the voice of the Father. You'll be connected with the Holy Spirit. You won't get into that fear mode. And you'll be able to pray effectively, releasing the provision of heaven through the words that you speak as you come into agreement with God and come into agreement with his word. That's who we're called to be. That's where we need to understand we are seated with him. He said, he sat down. There he waits. He finished what he had to do. Now he's waiting for us, his body, his church, you and me, to humble his enemies and to make them his footstool. We have everything we need because you are a holy person, bought with the blood, bought with his blood, How many of you think his blood was ineffective in your life? Okay, you belong to him. You belong to him. The blood of Jesus Christ continually washes you. It's another way we get washed. It's through the washing of the water of the word. We are transformed more and more into the image and likeness of Christ. That's, That's the, you are holy, you're becoming holy. His word challenges us, it washes us, it gets the, Stinking thinking out of your mind so you can focus on what God's promises are. Listen to Hebrews 13. Now may the God of peace, who brought us up from the dead, brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. This is a description of being holy, being made holy. Being perfect, being made more perfect. Only the scriptures can talk like that. There's, there's more, there's, those words are alive and powerful. It doesn't speak to our head, it speaks to our hearts. For if by one man's offense, in Romans, death reigned through the one, much more, say much more, say it again, much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. See, we don't earn righteousness. You can't. Only his blood could provide that. The gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. The ones who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. That's a description of dominion restored to the church. Matthew 8.18. Come on. We're going to be receiving communion in just a few minutes. Listen to what this Jesus said. Assuredly, or truly, truly, the King James says, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. To bind, what does that mean? It means to forbid or to lock up. The NLT says it this way, I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Listen to what James says about that. James chapter 4. So humble yourselves before God. It's not about you. You're not God's great gift to the world, although you are God's great gift to the world because he's in you. 
Humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he might flee from you. He will flee from you if you humble yourselves before God. What does that mean? God, you're everything. I'm just a servant. I just want to walk in obedience to you. I want to do what I see the Father doing. I want to say what I hear the Father saying. If you humble yourself before God and resist the devil, he will flee from you. Listen, here's the key. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. That's what I was talking about. Get away with God. Get quiet in his presence. Draw near. We, the, the veil in the, in the tabernacle, in the temple, rather, was, was ripped in two. That veil, scriptures say, represented his flesh. His flesh was torn, and his blood made a way through the veil. So not only can we go into the temple, into the Holy of Holies, we become the Holy of Holies. doesn't matter where you are, his presence is in you. But how do we come into his presence? By stopping what we're doing on the outside and focusing on him. If we will let our hearts and our minds draw near to him, he will show up, you'll have an encounter with him over and over and over again. And he will change the way you look at life, the way you look at yourself. He'll help you to understand you're holy and you're being made holy. He'll help you understand the power, the authority that you carry. Whatever you forbid will be forgiven. Whatever you permit will be permitted. We get to decide. He trusts us as we walk with him in humility to bind and loose. We, we, he trusts us to say to somebody, you're forgiven. You are set free in the name of Jesus. Like, like that. <laughs> it happens because he's given us that authority. Here's a, here's a, a hang-up for a lot of people, though. Last week, I think it was like, yeah, last week, Pastor Josh shared his story of uh, humility, which he blew because he shared it all with us and lost all his glory, all the credit. But, you know, we, we come to God and we say, God, I want to serve. I want to be used in your house. I want to, you know, I hope the pastor asked me to do something today. I, gee, I wish they'd asked me to be an usher, whatever. Uh, and then you come to church in the morning. You're just, God, I'm submitted to you. Whatever you got for me today, give me the courage to walk through it. And you walk in and Paul Bergio, our head usher, says, hey, I've got to take care of this right now, but I, I notice there's a uh, there's 100 packages, packages of dog poop out in the driveway. Would you go pick that up? And what your response is probably not going to be, glory to God, I knew you were going to use me today. This is so awesome, dog poop. Yeah, the dog poop ministry, I'm going to write a book about that. No. It's like in the food pantry, you know, great, wonderful people that come every week and they're dedicated servants of God. But what they do is fun to do. They're blessing people with incredible, Pastor Ken has this incredible anointing to get stuff. Get stuff. Years ago when I came on staff here, my income was cut by two-thirds. I worked for the post office and we got here. We started eating out of the food pantry and living off of our savings. And our kids were so happy even though Pastor Kent wasn't over there, they were happy because they were getting Captain Crunch and Fruit Loops. Before that, all they got was the big bags of puffed rice <laughs> and puffed wheat. You know, a dollar for, you know, three gallons or whatever. So they were saying, this is great food, Dad. I love this cereal. You know? And then when our income went up, we stopped using the pantry. And they were disappointed. It was better then. But people love to serve. But, you know, I know sometimes where he struggles is when pantry's over. Who's going to help sweep the floor, mop the floor, take out the trash, break up the boxes, reset the, the, the rooms for the next ministry coming in? That's not as glorious because nobody sees it. That's not as glorious because it's just not as much fun unless we understand when we mop the floor or pick up the dog poop, we're doing it for him. And as we yield to the authority of this house, be it an usher or our senior pastor or somebody in the food pantry or just anybody who would say, hey, would you pick that up or would you help me with that? When we yield to that, what are we doing? We're serving God. 
And our, our response, our heart attitude when asked to do something humiliating or, or tough or not fun reveals to us by the Spirit, if we're listening, just how submitted we are to God. Because most of the time, most of the time, the way we walk that out is through other leaders that he's put in our lives. I didn't share about working for the post office. I did. It's a different post office story. There was a letter carrier, she, a young woman. And one day, I was eating lunch with a couple other carriers, and she came into the, the place and said, oh, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. I just jumped the curve and knocked down a mailbox and put my Jeep. Is Kent here? Yeah. You know, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> we worked together in the post office. Were you there when she came in and told us what she did? Yeah. I, I knocked out, so, you know, with the post office, you have any kind of a, even a bumper tap. If you don't report it, you can get fired. If you do report it, they're going to take you off, you know, driving for a month and a half or two months while they investigate, and they make, so they make a federal case out of it. And it's our federal government in action, in its least efficient form. So we said, you know, just, just go ahead. You're not going to get fired. It was, you know, it can happen. It was on, a, you know, a, one of those cul-de-sacs, and, uh, I said, you know, you'll work it out. It's not going to really affect you all that much. Might keep you in, out of the cold for a while. Well, I get back to the post office, and she's telling the bosses because the neighbors said, you know, your letter carrier knocked down our mailbox. She said, no, I didn't. When I got there, it was already down, and she lied her way out of it. Okay, I thought it's not very integrous. Well. She decides to become a supervisor. And they send her off to supervisor school, which is where they send you to get, learn how to get the letter carriers to do their job faster. You know, basically, that's what it was. They teach you all these techniques. of If you walk next to him and talk, just speed up a little bit. He'll walk faster. <laughs> so, of course, the letter carriers union would give you, you know, instructions on, be careful when they do that. This is what they're trying to do. Anyway... She becomes a supervisor. I forget what it was that she asked me to do or told me to do one morning, which was absolutely unsafe and against regulations. And my attitude stunk. And I gave her lip. I let her know what I thought about her and her leadership. I mean, I just, I don't think I cussed at her, but I, I was cussing on the inside. And so now I go out. I got five hours to walk and deliver mail. And all day long, the Holy Spirit's saying, your attitude stunk. That wasn't very Christ-like. You weren't representing me very well, the way you behaved, the way you talked, the way you resisted her authority, blah, 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 blah. Not blah, blah, blah. God never does blah, blah, <laughs> And on and on and on. So, you know, I had five hours to be deeply convicted that my attitude was bad. And finally I said, okay, got it. When I get back, I'm going to apologize. And I came back in, I found her, I said, I just want to tell you the way I responded to you this morning, it was not right, it was, it was bad. She says, yes it was, and turned around and walked away. So that went really well, but you know what, we've got to humble ourselves if we're going to walk with God. It doesn't matter what the outcome is in the natural, in the kingdom of God, I got made more holy. Because I listened to the Holy Spirit and did what he told me to do. So even though I was perfect, I became more perfect. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's both. It's both. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit did not condemn me. He corrected me. He convicted me. And when I did what he told me to do, he set me and took me into a new level of walking in freedom with him. Thank you, Lord. Obey those who have rule over you, if they're lovely and kind and honest people, and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. Lord, she doesn't deserve that. It's those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Folks, if you are in Christ, if you received him as Savior, the one who took the penalty for your sin, and if you've given him lordship, if you've surrendered to his authority as Lord of your life, 
if you're living in right relationship with his designated authority, then, now, you are seated with him in victory in the place of authority at the right hand of your father. And then you've been granted the privilege, the right, the assignment to enforce your big brother's rule and reign here on the earth. Scripture says we are in the world, but you're not of this world. We're in the world, but we're not of this world. We do not, cannot afford to allow ourselves to to think of ourselves as citizens of this earth. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. And we are sent here as ambassadors to represent, to represent his kingdom authority, his goodness, his love, his grace, his mercy to the people around us. You're in the world, but you're not of it. Listen to this from Colossians. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then, when? When? When we have complete knowledge of his will and wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. It's talking about becoming more holy. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Look at the person next to you and say, you've been rescued. Say it like you mean it. You've been rescued. And you've been transferred. Say it. You've been transferred into the kingdom of God. I'm going to close with one scripture, more scripture and then Elder Trish is coming to lead us to the Lord's table. God gave her some revelation during the first service. I want to give her the opportunity to share that with you. And if the worship team would come as well. Thank you. Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All authority has been given to me. Now you go in my authority and make disciples. Teach them to obey. And I'm with you always. It's never going to end until he returns. It's never going to change. I don't think it ends when he returns, but it's not going to change until he returns. Then in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, it says, Once when he was eating with them, I think Pastor Josh would love this scripture. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He told them to wait. Among that crowd there in the upper room were the twelve were probably most of the 72. These people had actually done miracles in the presence of Jesus. And yet before he, he would release them to represent, don't touch that, and enforce and expand the kingdom of heaven, they needed to personally experience the overwhelming, overflowing presence 
and power of God. When Trish comes, I want you to listen carefully. She has a fresh word from God, a now word from God about coming into his presence, about receiving from him. Would you open your hearts, get ready to receive from the Lord. So your dad wants you to know that you are a beautiful tapestry of priestly robes. If we could see and understand his power at work in all of our testimonies just within this room, we would not be able to stand. Christ Jesus has already qualified you by name to be a member of his beautiful priesthood. I'm going to invite you to come down. If you can, if not, um, the servers will see you and bring these elements to you. if you could make room for those who are coming from behind you. And as you come, just imagine, just perceive, just press to understand the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit at work not only within you, but at work within those on either side of you, perhaps in front of you and behind you. The picture I got was as if a cookie jar and you took the top off, right? And this beautiful fragrance and power just burst through that container. That's all of you. But then multiplied all of us together. How can we stand? Listen, this is what God said. Children of God who resist the fullness of the Holy Spirit in their lives are starving at the feast table of their Father. Priests of God who resist the fullness of the Holy Spirit in their lives are starving at the feast table of their father. This feast table, this communion table set before us to remember God's redemptive plan for each of us, to reflect as mirrors, being his priests, to reflect Christ's success, not only on the cross, but the victory in the grave, that he did in obedience to the Father, he did for you and me. In short, God planned it, Jesus did it, and the Holy Spirit is sharing his power with you to live it. That's what we come to remember today. God wants to draw you in a little further. He's calling us to come to his feast table as his priests today. To give the Holy Spirit full access to our lives once again. 
to be anointed with his oil, to loosen all our seized and stuck parts so that we can operate better as his priests. God is saying this to you, that you have the authority to hear heaven. God is saying this, each and every one of you priests, beautifully robed in his glory, have the authority, you have the authority to hear heaven. Not someone else hearing it for you. You hearing it. God planned it. Jesus did it. And now the Holy Spirit has come to share his power so you can live it. Father God, we thank you for these elements and how Jesus demonstrated to us that when we come before you as your priests to remember that you did it once and for all and we get to live it in this world. Father, come and anoint us, your priests, again today. Fill us with fresh oil. Loosen our stuck parts. So that, Father, wherever we go, power of your glory, the power of your presence, that every lie that binds those on earth that we have the good pleasure of being sent to, that those lies cannot stand in the fullness of your glory that we mirror day by day. And when you're ready, in your own time, You can partake in the elements that you hold in your hands. But I just want to encourage you with one last word from the Lord. Is that as the worship team sings over you, I encourage you to lay hands on yourself as priests and anoint yourself As his priests, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Amen. That's right. No other name but Jesus. Thank you, Pastor Dan and Trish, for reminding me, encouraging me, reminding me, encouraging me, <laughs> reminding me, and encouraging me who I am, who you are in Christ. I need to be reminded. When I first came to the Lord, I remember reading about the Israelites. They saw him do miracles, and then they went, where'd he go? Then they went, saw him do stuff, and they went, where'd he go? Why'd he leave us? And God put a term, a word in my heart to remind me of Israelite-ism. I remember praying, Lord, help me to not have Israelite-ism, to forget what God has done. I'm going to close in a prayer in a minute, and I'm going to use that word. I wanted you to know what I meant when I say Israelite-ism in my heart, and maybe that will help remind Because the enemy, you know, is waiting and looks like a lion, ready to just erase everything God just told you and reminded you and encouraged you and reminded you of as soon as you walk out. It's not a dry eraser that God writes. He writes with a permanent marker, not a dry eraser. And Pastor Dan used scripture, and scripture never comes back void. This is what Paul wrote. And we also thank God continually because you, when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accept it not as a word from men, but as a what it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. We have ushers in the back to receive your tithes and offering. If you're a guest here, there is no obligation. If God's moving in your heart to do something, then by all means, don't go against God's word on your heart on that. 
small group startup, please look for someone who's got one of these on or a shirt or talk to someone. There is life in a small group. I used to be against them. I'm for them because I'm watching it and I'm a product of it. I love it. Lord, we thank you that we can come together and trust you. Lord, you've called us to, and you've given us all authority. Lord, let us not have that Israelitism that forgets as soon as we get in the car that we remember who you are and who you called us to be. Each one of us, you've given us a domain and an area uh, to be priests, kings, prophets, warriors over them. In your name, with our hands lifted to you, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen each one of us up in whatever level we are at to continue to trust you, to point to you, <laughs> and to seek you even more. Lord, I ask a blessing upon all the givers here, all the people that are here. Father, the first service, Thursday service, everyone who heard this word, I let it resonate so much this day forward that we'd never be the same, stronger in you. Thank you for it. I ask your blessings on it all. I say it all in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Go and be blessed.